This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. If you will, let's go to Isaiah 62. And that is, that is the scripture that we have been going to in a foundation of scripture. And we're still dealing with being prepared by the master's hands. And so we're flowing out of that in different areas of our lives so that God can show us exactly where we need to be and how. Because preparation is so very important. In this series of preparation, we're talking about being prepared in advance. We talked about that on last week. Preparation in advance is so important. You cannot get prepared when something is actually happening. You have to always be prepared before, in advance. Amen. So we're preparing the church for the next move of God. God is moving. I told you, as sure as I'm standing here, that will be a next move. And something else is coming. And you better take God's word seriously. See, we've been a long time without taking God's word seriously and not not even knowing the depth of his word. We take it as a joke. We take it as, oh, that's just another preacher talking. You better let all of that go. You had better take God's word seriously. Amen. We have learned that we... We are in God's presence, and when we're in God's presence, we understand that, God, you're about to do something next, and you're about to do something fresh, and you're about to do something new. And because of that, he told us that after our founding pastor uh, transitioned uh, about a year and a few months ago, he began to tell us right then, he said, now I'm about to take you to another place, another place. He began to tell us how to begin become wall builders. He started telling us to get our lives in order, get our finances in order, get our, get, get our homes in order, get our marriages in order, get everything in order. See, a lot of times we go from, from different series to different series and you forget all the things he tells you, but all of it pieced together will paint a picture for you. So when things to come, you'll see he was showing us this all the time. Amen. And so in, through, through this net new dispensation that we're in, we have to settle down and be attentive to the word of God. Church, I want you to know that everything that God is doing among us, is to, all of it is to prepare us for his next move. Now here in Isaiah, again, Isaiah's preaching to the children of Israel. And we've told you in time past and telling you again, Israel was in a mess, just like we're in a mess. They were in disarray. Everything about it was just it was out of control, just like we're out of control. Not in place, just like we're not. Our whole country, not in place. Our whole cities, not in place. Families, not in place. All of those things was going on in Israel at that time. And God wanted them to understand and know through Isaiah that he was going to do a work in them, that he was going to restore them. It is a blessed thing when God wants to restore you. Actually, when he says he's going to restore you, think in your head, he's giving me another chance. So don't blow it. Don't blow it. Say, he's about to restore me. And so everything that he's telling me, I'm going to flow out of. Why? Because he is restoring me. Whatever he wants me to get rid of, whatever he wants me to add on, I'm, I'm all in 
all in. Why? Because restoration comes with those things happening. Uh, a breaking away, a purging, all of those things. We just yield to that. Amen. And God is speaking to us as individuals as well as collectively. That, that we need to be restored. Amen. But God is warning, warning us to be restored for the simple fact that there are so many people out there that need to be restored. And He said, but I need my people to, that, that, that say they're walking with me. I need them to be restored so they can restore others. So that they can be a blessing to others. We cannot be a blessing to others if we're not restored. If we're hurting, if we're confused, if we're messed up. We cannot be a blessing to others. You can be a blessing when you have been restored and you can say what, and you can say everything that God, you can testify of the goodness of the Lord in your life. Amen. Now let's look at, uh, Isaiah, um, where am I? Isaiah 62. And let's begin at verse 8. The Lord hath sworn by his right hand and by his arm of his strength, Surely I will no more give thy corn to be meat for thine enemies, and the sons of the strangers shall not drink thy wine for the which thou hast labored. But they that have gathered it shall eat it and praise the Lord. And they that have brought it together shall drink it in the courts of my holiness. Go through. But this is what you're going to have to do to get all of that. Go through. Go through the gates. Verse 10. Prepare ye the way of the people. Cast up. Cast up a highway. Gather out stones. Lift up a standard for the people. Lift up a standard for the people. And God is telling us where is the standard. We should have a standard. Isaiah was letting them know restoration is here. Rest, God is here to restore. God is telling us this morning, I'm here to restore. And we got to, and because I want to restore you, you got to prepare the way for my people. Exactly. And when I say prepare the way for my people, He wants people, us to make a way to the way. And to the way is Jesus. He said, but I need my people to be out of bondage, to be out of foolishness, to get all of the stumbling blocks out of their lives so that they can help lead people in. And that will keep people, anything in my life that's keeping someone from seeing Jesus, God is saying, now is the time to get rid of it. Did you hear me? This is what I want you, and, and please write it down. If you, if you can, or you can go back and stream it. If you pay attention as well. This is what you need to understand. This is why we need to get everything straight in our lives. God submits His presence and glory to covenant keepers. I'll say it again. God submits His presence and glory to covenant keepers. Every covenant walk attracts the divine presence of God in your life. Every time you walk in the covenant that He's given you, without compromise, every time you walk in that, it attracts the divine presence of God to our lives. Uh, and, and, it, and, 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 and then we become what God calls covenant keepers. And that's what He sees us as. The more committed you are to God, listen, the more presence of God is in your life. Did you hear me? The more committed you are to God, the more presence of God will be in your life. He will dispense more of Him in you. Why? Because each level of commitment that you're committed to requires a level 
of dying to self. And so when he sees that you're dying to self, because you, you're still walking in covenant, he gives you more of him. You come, you come more into the realm of glory. Because why? He said you're a covenant keeper. Now you keep it. When the temptation comes, and you stand, and you walk past that thing, I'm not talking about any old temptation that doesn't bother you much, but that one that you've been struggling with over and over again, now you can stand in it, and you can walk past it, and you can you just keep walking, and you're keeping the covenant. You bring the glory of God, the divine presence of God, to just fall on you, and He begins to increase you to another level. Why? Because He's calling you a covenant keeper. And you want to be called a covenant keeper. You want to be, I said you want to be called a covenant people. See, this is one thing I know. A lot of people, they start off with God and they can end up with the devil. I've seen it so much. They start off with God, end up with the devil. Why? Because they just will not handle adversity in their life. Adversity come and they just fall all apart. I love God, I love God. But let a little adversity come. They start off with God and they're going to be with God. And let adversity come. And the temptation, and adversity is simply temptation. Simply temptation. See, a temptation is a desire to do something that you shouldn't do. Especially, a temptation especially is something that's unwise and wrong. That's what temptation is. And it's coming to test your integrity. Test if you are a covenant keeper. But notice, know this. Whenever you get the victory over that, you get promoted as a covenant keeper. You get promotion when you overcome. When I overcome temptation, God promotes me. How does He promote me? He gives me more of Him, more of His glory. He opens up revelation to me. He begins to increase me. He takes me. He shifts everything and takes me to another level. Why? Because I'm standing. I'm committed. Jesus overcame temptation over in, in Luke chapter 4. He overcame temptation. And when he came, overcame temptation, he came back with the Holy Spirit power. See, it's not enough to just say, I have the Holy Spirit. Where's the power? Those are things that you will have when you understand that I am committed and I am a covenant keeper. When I tell you things like this, and I say things like this, listen to me closely. Write this. I'm telling you, write it down because you're going to forget it or go back and stream and get it. But please understand this. If you build a defense, when I'm, when I'm ministering, or any minister ministers, if you build a defense mechanism against the word of God or the word of truth or the word of righteousness that's going forth, that's trying to penetrate your bit. When you build up a defense, mm, I don't know about that. Mm, oh, oh, she said something to defend me. Oh, mm, mm. Whenever you build a defense mechanism up, 
and go against the word of truth and righteousness, you've opened up the gates of hell all over your life. I'm telling you, you open it up. Why? Because I've, put, I've already put a mechanism up that I'm not hearing that. I'm not receiving that. I'm, and it's truth and it's righteousness. Whether you like it or not. God's word is not about what you like and don't like. God's word is not a buffet. It's an entree. And he's placing it before you. And you better learn how to eat well. And it's a balanced meal. This is not a buffet. You can pick and choose what you want. That's not how God's Word works. That's not how it will ever work. Amen? Again, before God moves, there's always a time of preparation. Even before you go to heaven, there's a time of preparation. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you, that where I am there you may be also. Meaning, there's a preparation that has to go before you come. And so what makes you think you don't have to prepare? And then I told you we have to learn to love preparation. People, but I noticed this. I noticed this in my years in ministry and just watching people. People that are committed, they love preparation. People that are not committed, they don't. People that are committed love preparation. And preparation requires participation. In other words, you can't get yourself prepared if you're not willing to get involved with the work. If you're in this ministry, if you're not involved with the work, I don't care what kind of calling that's on your life. I don't care if you said you are a minister. I don't care if you don't have your hands on the work here. You're not prepared. You're not even in the right position. As a matter of fact, you're in an unrighteous position to have a calling on your life and don't put your hands to the work. There must be an urgency, an urgency about ourselves to prepare. If there's no urgency, you will not, I said you will not, prepare. Now, and, and, and I mean, we see it in the natural. I'm telling you, the natural way will show you that people do that. When this pandemic started early, what did people go out and do? They start filling up their car. They went to the store, bought up everything. What were they doing? Preparing. Even though, you know, we were frustrated. Everybody got everything. All they were doing was preparing for what was to come. They even know that. Don't you even have to. Hard to know they knew something was coming. They heard it on the news. They were keeping up with the news and they said this happened, that happened. They started moving. They started what? Preparing. Because it's coming and then when it was already here, everything was gone. And then the ones that, that weren't prepared was mad at everybody that already prepared. And that's just an example, but that's the way we do. And that's how people walk in envy and strife when people get up and minister. Well, they're prepared. All you have to do is be prepared. You get mad at what someone else is driving and you can't drive it. They prepared themselves to drive that. They bought a bigger house than yours. <laughs> Their light bill is bigger too, but guess what? They're prepared for that. You're not just going to walk into it without preparation. And that's what people do. They anxiously, they want to do what someone else do unprepared. 
I don't care if you have to rent until Jesus comes. If you're not prepared, don't try to do what someone else do. Because guess what? You're going to fail. And they're going to succeed because they prepared. Are you with me? So we need to understand that we must love preparation. And church, I want us to know that when the next move of God coming and that the storm is coming, I don't know how many times I can say that. The next move of God is coming. The storm is coming. Get, re- get ready for it. A half boat won't float in this storm. You had better be ready. Make sure that you'll be prepared. You prepare yourself so that you can prepare others. Listen, understand this. Because, see, a lot of you don't even know what prophetic is. Because a lot of prophetic things go on in just ministering. Timing is everything in the prophetic. The right word at the right time will cause you to be prepared. Did you hear me? The right word at the right time will cause you to be prepared. Whereas you can have a right word given at the wrong time, and let me tell you, it will attract unnecessary dilemmas in your life. That's why you have to have your fingers on the pulse of God and know when to say it and when not. I don't let people draw me in to what I need to say or what I need to I don't care what someone else is doing. All I'm going to do is keep my fingers on the pulse of God and what he says, you might not understand. You'll appreciate it later. Are you with me? So, when, you, when you're not prepared, we've learned this, you are in an unrighteous position. When you do not prepare, you're in an unrighteous position. And unrighteousness leads to sin. Each one of us have to be prepared to do our part. We need to focus our attention on the work at hand. On all God has called us to do. We cannot, get, we cannot let it get blurred. We cannot let it drop off. We can't. Even in the pandemic, we cannot. I'm watching. Let me tell you. I test the young adults. I watch, I watch the ones that, that don't want to do anything like, I don't want to come up because I, you know, so that, but you social distance everywhere else. And we're not talking about coming in a crowd because we're not doing that. But just, just do, for example, every, every young adult out there should be somebody on that panel. It's not, it's just, it's five or six people. You go around more than that. When you go to the store, and nobody and nobody's sitting around socializing in the church, we're getting up, we're taking care of God's business, and then getting out. But when you have excuses for everything, watch all of that because it tells me a lot about you. Nothing stops because of pandemic. We still have everything going on. And by the way, just so you know, every area, every department, everything still runs the same. The people in charge, everything still runs the same. You, let me tell you, just because you don't see me, don't mean that I don't know what's going on. You can't slip anything by, because you're going to be in trouble. 
Because if you were in trouble because I saw you, you're going to be in trouble because I didn't see you. But it's done. Because nothing changes. Not, everything that's been in place is still in place. Well, we don't meet, so I'm going to do it different this time. No, sir, no, ma'am. You know what? If you do that, you just came against authority. That's not the way we operate. And let me tell you, you don't operate that in your life. Don't operate it here. Are you following me? So those are the things. You know, we need to make a way for God's people to be restored. And the way we're going to do that is that we have to get away from all the struggles, all the things that have caused us to be. You know what? How are we going to carry out the assignment if you are bogged down? You can't. Amen. Listen, there is a disconnect between God's people and His promise. I said that in some earlier teachings in another series. But see, you need to connect the knowledge. There is a disconnect between God's people and His promise. There are things that God has promised us. He has promised us life. He's promised us peace. He's promised us joy. And there are those of us who are hurting, lost, struggling, confused, all of that because I do not understand the promise. It's a disconnect there. He's my God, but I'm not aware. I don't fully understand. I don't know how to comprehend the promise of God. And they need to be connected. They need to be connected to His people. Amen? When you don't know the promises of God, those of us that have the promise, we have to, you know, we, we have to live a certain way that they can see that this same promise that I have is for you. We cannot take the promises of God and put them within these four walls or put it within our homes where we're streaming. We cannot do that. We have to get it out. We got to get it out of these four walls. We got to get it out of just streaming and just our family at home. It has to go out. You can't just rejoice in how good God is to just you and your family. We got to go out. We got to bridge the gap. Why? So there'll no longer be a disconnection. They can understand that the promises is for me too. Amen. The promises between God and His people. And God loves us all and God wants to minister to us all. We want to establish the will of God in our church, in our families. We want to ensure that every, every generation is success. Generational success is important to this ministry. Generational success. And we want to establish the will of God for our lives. Each one of us need to be established in what God's will is. Establishing it. Not just know His will, but be established in the will of God. We must, uh, we must, look, there is a difference in knowing the will of God and being established in it. There is a difference. I'll prove it out to you. Remember when you were taking vacation from God when you were in college? Oh, yeah, that's what it was a vacation for God. Let's just not say college. Oh, whenever it was when you took a vacation. I remember when I took a vacation from God. I mean, when I did what I wanted to do. Guess what? 
At that time, you knew the will of God. I'm talking about you would say you knew the will of God, but you weren't established in it. There's a difference. Because you can't do all the things you were doing when you were... Because you knew it was wrong. That means I know the will of God. But I'm not established enough in it to walk in that. I'm just going to do my own thing. I call that taking a vacation from God. Knowing the will, but never established in it. Knowing that it's not right to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. People trying to warn you. Parents trying to warn you. Everybody trying to warn you. But you knew the will of God, but just wasn't established in it. So that lets us know that you can know something and not be established in it. You can know what we teach. Because it's information. And never be established in it. I've watched people for years. Sit in ministry for years. And have heard teaching on every subject there is. Over and over and over again. And still not established in it. Going on being a Christian for 25, 30 years. And still not established in his will. Just know it. See, that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. That's the difference in knowing the will of God and establishing it. There's a difference. Wisdom means I can walk in it. Established means I'm settled in it. Nothing moves me. Very few people in the kingdom of God are established in His will. Amen. And so, you know, you, you, when you know what you're supposed to do and you do it, you don't do it. The Bible says to you, it's sin. He that know it to do right and do it did not, to him is sin. Now you're sinning. Now I want you to go to Ezra chapter 7. Ezra chapter 7. Now listen to me. I guess if you could subtitle this or if you want to just title this, let's, let's deal with how to be ready. How do I be ready to be used by God? How, and I like that word ready and we're going to get into that. How can I be ready to be used by God? So you have to be ready to be used by God. Not just want to be used by God. And that's where people are. They want to be used by God, but they're not ready to be used by God. There's a big difference. How to be made ready to be used by God. How to be made ready to be used by God is essential. To be used by God. Knowing how to be ready is essential to being used by God. Jesus had a time of preparation. Why do you think you're going to skip it? I've had a time of preparation. You don't skip it. Now listen to me closely. When we know from last week, we have to be ready in advance. Now we have to be ready to be used by Him. I like that word ready. Ready. And we said the first thing that you must do is take God's word seriously. I can't stress it enough how you must take God's word seriously. Then we have to move with fear. Move with fear in the, in, in the midst of 
understanding and his warnings and taking it seriously, I must move with fear. What is that? Proper reverence and respect for the Word of God and the power of God. I must have that in place. I have to move with obedience. I have to move with assurance. And this is the one I love the most. I have to move without full understanding. That's where people get, that's where they drop off right there. I have to move without full understanding. Listen, you will not always fully understand something that God is saying. We must finish the assignment sometimes without fully understanding. That's why in the coming months, in the coming years, as long as God uses it, it's going to be a lot of things that you might not understand, might not fully understand. Just get on board. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not now. If you see me get outside of Christ, you should not follow me. But because I'm following Christ and you don't understand it, you just get by and say, I don't understand why, but I know, you know, I know she's following God. I'm following that. Because we might not always agree. And that's okay. Because God is not going to speak to me and you in the same way. And you can be okay with that too. Or not. Or you could be okay somewhere else with that. Because wherever you go, it's going to be the same. No, in, in the real church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about those churches where the deacons run everything and the women run everything and the, and, and, and it's bickering here and fighting there and everybody want to be the boss except the pastor. I'm not talking about those type of places. Are you following me? Now, in Ezra, how to be ready to be used. Now, when God speaks to me, Listen, I must hear his voice. I have to desire to save my house. We talked about that last week. See, you have to hear it. I gotta, I, and what I'm hearing, I have to desire to save my house. Listen, how do I save my house? I'm making sure that I'm making preparation for what is to come. That's how I save my house. I'm making preparation for what is to come. Did you hear me? Listen, we're going we're gonna to get to Ezra. You have to make preparation for what is to come. Before Jesus started his earthly ministry, he was in the, he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being prepared for what God called him to do. Now, he was all in, in all of his life being prepared. But then he went in the wilderness for 40 days. Now, God can't use you if you're not prepared. You know, oftentimes you can say, you know what, okay, you know, I'm ready. You know. And people say that all the time until you ask them to do something. I'm ready. I'm ready to do this something. Oh, I'm ready to sing a solo. And then they say, okay, we got a solo for you to sing. Oh, wait a minute. Well, I don't really want to sing by myself. Well, no, yeah, I thought you wanted to be, I thought, well, not, not, not now. See, everybody's ready until you ask them. 
It's okay that, you know, everybody say they're ready. With no preparation. Are you with me? Look at your neighbor and say, you got to be ready. Look at them and say, you got to be ready. And those of you at home, look at your children. If they're undressed and they sit down, look at them and say, you know what, you got to be ready. See, they, they should have been ready this morning. You got to be ready. You need to look over at them and say that. Oh, oh, you with that, uh, you know, bedside Baptist, look at your spouse and tell them, you need to be ready. Go on, go on, ain't that bedside Baptist, go on. You laying right there with, you need to be ready. Something's coming. Something's coming. Now, here in chapter 7 of Ezra, let me tell you a little bit about Ezra. And, and those of you that belong to Church of Living Water, you kind of know about him because we've done teaching on him. And as a matter of fact, in the book of Ezra is where our founding pastor was called to ministry out of. And Ezra here, uh, and, and kind of on the same page with Nehemiah. Nehemiah was going back to build the walls and everything. But Ezra was, was well, at the same time, simultaneously, God was dealing with uh, Ezra to go back and to rebuild and restart worship. And, and, and that, that is so important. And here we have Ezra. And Ezra was a scribe. Did you know that there are scribes in heaven? And I believe there's scribes in heaven so that a liar won't tarry in his sight. See, because scribe writes down everything. Ezra was a scribe. And he was sent back to Jerusalem to restore worship. Because not only were the walls torn down, but worship was missing. Listen to me closely, because I want to bring it home. I want you to note. Whenever something is torn down in your life, it's not just the walls, it's also worship. I say it again. Whenever something is torn down in your life, it's not just the walls and everything torn down, it's also the worship. Whenever a family is struggling, it is not just the family struggling. With the Lord, they're struggling with worship. This is the thing. I'm wondering why I can't see. This is the thing. You can't repair natural and not repair spiritual. No, not be not not in be effective. Not in be effective. I want to just fix this that's going on with my family. I'm and I'm talking to you believers. I just want to fix it. You cannot repair the natural without repairing the spiritual. See, you can't just build up things to make it look good around you. You don't fix what... If you don't fix what's on the inside, that means nothing. And this is the thing. and And I gotta touch it here. So many of us especially African-Americans and Latino communities, especially. This is what we missed. Listen attentively. Submit fully. Submit to it. Conform completely. That's all you have to do. This is what we missed. 
We go to great lengths to build up walls. When I say that, in other words, we're living in all living in better houses than we ever have lived in. Driving better cars than our parents did. Living in nicer houses. Earning more money than we ever, ever have before as a people. Listen. Yet, through all of that, we have this systemic problem that still exists. That's going on in every community, wherever you might live. It's still there. We're not able to fix or address what's going on on the inside. We make it look good on the outside. And we find out that thing that you can't fix that's on the inside, a good job, a nice house, a nice car, a little more money, does not fix it. But we spend most of our time focusing on building walls and not restoring worship. We're busy trying to build walls for someone else to see. And God has already proven to us and showed us it's the unseen work that counts. So Ezra's role was just as important as Nehemiah's. And look at verse 6. Chapter 7, verse 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was already scribe in the laws of Moses which the Lord God of Israel had given, and the king granted him all his requests, according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. And there went up some of the children of Israel, and of the priests, and of the Levites, and the singers, and the porters, and the Nethanims, unto Jerusalem. And it was the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. And he came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king, for upon the first day of that first month began he to go up from Babylon. And on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. And Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. This morning, for a few minutes... I want to give us some definitions of what it means to be ready. Because we just found out how to be ready in advance. Now we're talking about how to be ready to be used by God. So let's look at that word ready. When it says Ezra was a ready scribe, that word, that definition number one, means that he was skilled. Skilled. And don't run off from me right now. Skilled. See, in order to be used, you have to have some skills. And when I say skills, I mean, according to this teaching, it means that you have to have knowledge and ability. Knowledge and ability. Listen, God is not going to use us without the proper level of knowledge and ability. And I'm not talking about graduating from college 
and just 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 slow down with me. God is not going to use you without knowledge and ability. Well, wait a minute. Well, what about because it said that the, the disciples they they were uneducated. I, I did not just tell you I wasn't talking about school. See, that's what that's when you have to slow down and wait for the teaching. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Just be still. I'm going to repeat that. In order to be used and to be ready, the word ready means to be skilled. In order to be used, you must have some skills. And the skills that I mean, you have to have knowledge and ability. I told you God is not going to use you without knowledge and ability. See, I can only say, God, I'm ready. But do you have the knowledge and ability to be used by God? And not only, and not only the knowledge of the Bible. For example, people will say, Pastor, I'm ready to do work in the church. Now here's the knowledge I want to know. Do you know the church? See, you, you're ready to be used. Now people come into churches and I'm ready to be used by the church. But do you know the church? Do you have any knowledge about the church? See, you can be ready for You think you're ready. Do you have any knowledge about your church? Do you know your church? Have you been through new members class? Able ministers of the new covenant class? Have you ever worked in ministry? Have you ever cleaned the toilet? Have you ever mopped the floor, swept the floor, used the vacuum? Have you ever taught in children's ministry? Have you ever dusted anything in the church? Do you know anything about the church? And those are just minor things. But do you know those? It amazes me how people want to go from not working to ministry head. Doing nothing and I want to get up. I've seen God deal with people and tell people what to do and they take it as a joke. And God said, I won't ask them anymore. You become dead to God. With all of your holy talk. Can't answer the call. No skills or ability. I'll never forget when our founding pastor was here. This little young guy came and really interested in a woman at this church. That's, that's all it was. But barely just got saved. Got in the, got in the church. And then he was going to tell Pastor Hill what needs to be done. You just got saved. You don't even know anything about this church. And you're going to tell me how to run it. Get your, let me tell you, they're not here anymore. Get your little tail on out of here. You're not running anything. Don't go, now I'm ministry. Now I know what the church needs. Got saved two days ago. You can't go from not working to making suggestions on how things should ought to work. <laughs> that don't work. That don't work at any church, not even Bedside Baptist. It's going to go for that. 
There's people here that's in this room right now that you all don't see, even in the pandemic. They make sacrifices to come up here. They come early. Constantly. It, you know what? It would, they, didn't, they don't have to come up here. They could go home and stream. They don't have, but they come up here anyway. They come up here and see. Those are people that are sacrificing to be here. And then here all of a sudden you want to jump in that do nothing, don't want to do nothing, have to do something, and you want to come and tell us how to do things. You got the wrong ministry. You don't, you don't even show yourself faithful. Now, your family might be impressed with you talking the God stuff and your apologetics and all that foolishness. But you can't walk in simple skills and ability to be used by God. You need to change. Wait a minute. You have to have some skills. You have to have some knowledge and some ability. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of people who can go to God's words and see some things. That don't mean you have a skills and ability or knowledge and ability. You might even have the knowledge and ability to put a message together. And can't walk in any of it. There's a lot of people that can put a message together, but don't have the knowledge and ability to lead people. See, that's not, that something go with it. Skills and ability. See, whether you can put a message together or not, don't mean, if you can't lead, that's not skilled. Listen, churches are full of preachers and no congregants. Why? Because knowledge and ability. Number two, you have to be diligent. Now see, that, that drops a lot of people off. They call themselves called. Diligent. Ezra was not only skilled, but he was diligent. The word diligent means consistent and persistent in effort. Means consistent and persistent in effort. In other words, a ready person can be trusted to be used because they are diligent. What's the expression that people use on a job? If you want something done, they, you find somebody that's busy. Because you know they're going to get it done. Like, oh, no, they always, mm-mm, that's the one you use. They always, they're busy about, they're doing it. Why? Because that person is ready. Oh, yeah, uh, they're ready. They're diligent. They're consistent and persistent. That's the difference. Listen. That's the difference between being laid off and kept on. Simplicity. That's the difference. 
diligent, consistent, and persistent. You want to get something done? Give it to a person that's consistent. This is, this is my take, and I got this from my pastor. The person that says, if you need me, I'll be in my office, don't ever go to their office. Because you won't ever need them. Why? Because you know they're not ready. Because if they see you doing something, ooh, they look like a lot of work you're doing. Well, I'm going to my office. If you need any help, let me know. They are not ready. A person that's ready to say, oh, I see what you're doing. Let me help. You fold while I, I, I put them in the envelope or whatever. They are ready. But if you always come and get me or I'm not, oh, let me know. Not ready. If you were ready to help, you'd say it. And you would do it right then. Hmm. Oh, the word ready means number three, to be attentive. Ooh, to be attentive. When a person is ready, they're attentive. Very attentive. In other words, they can focus. Ooh, and let me tell you, your, your, your founding pastor, and this is one thing he was, and he taught me in it, and let me tell you, now I see everything that he's saying now. I used to let, just let him do it because that was him. But, but boy, did I learn from him. But this is one thing you have. When a person is ready, they are attentive and focused on the details of the work. On the details of the work. He was always like that. That's where people missed it with him. People that are not detailed with anything, they'll never understand him. You know what they'll say about him? He's strange. I don't understand him. No, people that don't know details, will, he'll, they'll always look strange to a person that art that's detailed. <laughs> Attentive. Ready. That means being ready. And all of us that have children, we all should know. Everybody that have children, we should know. If you ask them, are they ready or not? We, uh, they, all the time, they were never ready. You would ask them, are you ready to go? And they'd say, yes, we're ready. I remember when the little children. I, I do that with later than that. I say, y'all ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. I say, okay, let's go. Okay, I'm putting my shoes on. Well, that's not ready. Is your room clean? You got everything prepared? No, I'm, I'm doing that now, but I'm ready. That's not ready. All of us have experienced that. Because when you're ready, and somebody says, are you ready? The appropriate response is yes. That's it. But it's yes and something else, you're not ready. Remember the man that wanted to follow Jesus and he said, Yes, I'm ready to follow you, but let me go back and say, You're not ready. You're not ready. It's just a, it's a mental ascent. But you're not ready. (laughs) 
The simple answer is yes. See, you don't have to have... You, let me tell you, and, I, and I'm getting so much... You know what? It's amazing how you begin to think about the person that you lived with all that. So many things that, that my founding pastor did, and as my husband, that I'm changing to. This is one thing that Pastor Hill never... He's not, first of all, he's not going to talk to you long on the phone. Boom. Now, if you go out and fellowship with him, he'll, he'll, he would go. Go, go, go. He'd talk about what he wants to talk about. He had words for it. But he's gone. And, and let me tell you, I, nobody can show me no... Now, unless he... Something that he was discussing with somebody or something. I can guarantee you, without even looking, you can go back to every email that he's ever emailed you. I guarantee you it's short. He did, and one thing, he didn't like people to come and do it. He didn't like a whole bunch of words. You keep talking, talking, talking. Then he's like, lying is in the mix of that. It's too much talking. He wants you to get to the point, tell me what it is, and move on. And I'm getting that way. Too much talking. Because, see, when you keep talking and you keep going on and on, then you start putting fluff in it. You start putting all kind of fluff in it. Then you start trying to rearrange my thinking. That's why Pastor wouldn't let nobody talk. He'd like, nope, tell me exactly what happened and get on up out of here. He'd do that with his sons as well. Tell me that, move on. Because when you keep talking and stuff, you're not going to convince me by much talking to look at anybody any differently than I look at them because I'm going to filter them through Christ. And everything that you tell me, I'm going to filter that through Christ as well. So the shorter you talk, no, the more impressed I am, if you think you want to impress me. But the longer you talk, that's just a bunch of, it's just too much. And I got that from my pastor. He was not, mm-mm. Now, he was wordy to me when we were at home and, and stuff, but that was me and him in our personal life. But he, but when it came to dealing with, with matters of the church and business and stuff, he just get to the point. And boom, there it is. And it's done. I'd be like, how do you do that? You just do the Too much talking. And he'd sit there and he'd look. And you can tell how he's looking at you if you're going too long. No, no, no. He's like, mm. he. One thing my founding pastor, he did not like a bunch of fluff. Not even in ministry. He's like, get to it. He was all about the word. Get to it. I don't want a whole bunch of other stuff. I want to get to it. They need to why. And you know why? Because he only had a certain time here to get this foundation made. He didn't want to play. And guess what? I have an assignment too, just to rebuild, to restore, and my assignment's up, and I don't have time to play either. Just know that. A person that does not focus on detail is not ready. And God needs you to be ready. Number four. Ready means to be properly positioned. If I'm ready, I am properly positioned. When I am in the proper position, I am ready. I am in a state and the condition that I ought to be in. I am in the state 
and the condition that are ought to be. That's why God has been talking to us about restoration, letting us know that restoration goes beyond salvation. It goes beyond that. Listen, if you're still hurt, you're not ready. Listen, whatever you heard about, whatever, if you're still, if you're going through something in your family, if you're, if you're hurt, you're not ready. Your hurt needs to be healed before you can be ready. Your hurt needs to be healed before you are ready. Because if you're still hurt, the assignment is going to push on that hurt. It's going to push on it. And you're not ready for that. Did you hear me? If you don't, if you think that I'm still operating in hurt and I'm, but I'm ready to be used by God, no. That hurt must first be healed because the assignment is going to push on it and push on it and push on it. And you're going to say somebody's messing with you. Somebody's blaming you. Somebody's, uh, they just stand on me. To, no, it's the assignment pushing on that hurt. That's why God said you're not ready. The hurt needs to be healed. If there's damage in your life, it must be repaired to be ready. Why? Because if that damage is in my life, that assignment is going to weigh on it. It's going to weigh on those damaged areas of your life. That's why God said, I want to give you restoration so that you can be healed and all so that you can be ready. That's why he said it's time for restoration. That's why he's been getting everything in order. That's why he's been preparing. He said, I'm getting everything. I want you to get everything in order in every area of your life. You have to say, I got to be rebuilt in these areas. In what areas? In the areas in my life where they've been torn down. Because if not the assignment is going to be way too heavy for you. God won't be able to use you too much. I know you have a desire to, and you say you're ready. But let me tell you, once you get into the assignment, it'll weigh on you. It'll crush you. Be healed. Way too heavy. It'll crush you. You have to be ready, church. That's why I'm talking about the fact that we have to restore this generation. Not, not just get them to the altar. Not just get them to repent. They have to be restored. They have to be restored by God. Listen. Because, you know what? You can get to heaven and still not be used. See, see in our mentality, we think we're only going to be used here. You better read the back of the book. You better read that that's coming another time. That the new Jerusalem is coming down from heaven. The kingdom is going to be set up here. And you're not going to be used. You can go to heaven and not be used. And the Bible says he's going to set up his kingdom here. And we're going to rule and reign with him. Are you going to be able to be used in that kingdom? Don't you believe like those witnesses say that you just dead like a dog and you there nothing else exists. Oh no, something else is coming. Did you hear me? Something else 
is coming. Get all of that straight. I don't want to go to heaven and not be able to be used. Not able to be productive. Like God wants me to be. There's a way God wants you to be established and productive. So I have to be spiritually in position where God wants me to be. And I'm here to tell you, and those of you that are streaming, if you're looking for a church that will get you spiritually spiritually positioned, this is the church. No nonsense. We're about the business of the Father and getting you spiritually prepared to be used by God. Now, if you want to play games and you want to go back and forth, go to the church down the street. Go to, or still do your bedside baptism. But here, we're going to have a preparation time. Be okay with that. I have to have my natural affairs in a certain amount of order. You can't have everything in disarray and say, I'm ready. (laughs) I'll say it again. You cannot have everything in disarray and say, I'm ready. In your life, in your finances. You have to have your finances. Your financial house needs to be in order. It needs to be in order. You know what we need to do as a church? Now I'm going to tell you. I'll wait and tell you that next week. I'll I'll wait and tell you that next week. But God has been trying to work on us and work on us about our finances. because So many times, so many times, way before the pandemic came, some of you can't even obey what God is telling you to do because you're you're financially out of order. Example. If you signed up for, fast, for pastor's conversation and you did not comply with it, I'm going to tell you, your, your finances are out of order. It's, out, it's simply out of order. And how do you expect, when that's, that's an elementary thing to, to, to get your finances in order, all you have to do is be disciplined. So how do you think God is going to use you when you can't even do that little thing? Not that, that's a small thing. And I'm not saying this out of any need because I'm going to tell you I don't have a need that God hasn't already supplied. I'm just showing you where you are. Some things are just not as important to you. You know, some things are not important to you until they're gone. Until they're gone. Listen, the word of God is taught. When it's taught, it's not the preacher. Don't look at me. It's not the preacher. It's not the person. It's God speaking to your heart. And you have to take it seriously. Ready means number five. You have to be willing. See, you have to have knowledge, ability, be diligent, be attentive, and at the right spot. But, you know, and you know what? You've got to be at the right spot. Not just willing. You've got to be at the right place. Now, when I say that you have to be willing, it means that I must value the work. Now, that spoke volumes to me when God ministered to me. He said, now, those that have not been willing in ministry, they don't value the work of this ministry. I don't care what you say. I'm going to believe God. 
You have to value the work. You got to think of the work here as valuable. I value the work. I value what we do here at Church of Living Water. I value the ministers at church. I value my pastor. You have to have a value. I value everything. I take it seriously. Listen to me. You have to be willing. When you see value in work, then you become willing. See? Then you become willing. When you see value in work, you become willing. Even if you feel like you're not qualified, you're willing. Even if you feel like there's something you don't know, you're willing. One of the things we talked about when we talk about skills and ability. Listen, there's a willingness. See, skill, which is knowledge and ability, doesn't necessarily mean experience. Did you get that? Skills and ability doesn't necessarily mean experience. It just means knowledge and ability. Now watch this. God needs you to have knowledge and ability, not necessarily experience. Listen. Now we talked about Noah last week, but notice one thing about Noah. He only built one ark. So he had no experience of shipbuilding. But he had the knowledge and the ability to understand the will of God. He built it. So when I talk about willing, oftentimes we become unwilling because you're unexperienced. Well, you can't get experience without experiencing. Am I right? You can't get experience without experiencing. You tell people that when they, you go look for a job and they say, well, we see you don't have an experience. You're like, well, I'm trying to get experience. Why? By experiencing. Again, I, I'm telling you, I'm always testing the young adults to see if they're ready. I, I know the ones that are and I know the ones that are not. Let me tell you this about me. I've been a pastor's wife for over 30 years. I was a pastor's wife. I've not been a pastor. This is my first time that I've ever been a pastor. But I've been a pastor's wife. So I have no experience of how this job goes. I've watched it in my husband over the year, but I wasn't experiencing it. I don't care. You know, I don't care because the way that you thought I taught or something, you think that I was up. No, no, no. I watched my husband. But I don't have the experience for this job. But what I do have is knowledge and ability. And I'm willing. See, I got what it takes. God said, you've proven to be diligent and attentive. You're in the right position. Now all I need is a willing heart. All I need is a willing heart. And I'm willing. Now see, I've been prepared. I've been prepared for the whole 30 years. 
Oh, now, I'm, I'm showing you how important preparation is and how we can't, you just don't jump up. I was, I've been prepared for over 30 years for this one job. And somebody think they can come in, no preparation, and I can tell you what to do. And it took God 30 years to prepare me just for this. Even as a pastor, like just preparation. Over 30 years for this one job. To execute. Long preparation to execute. <laughs> what a good God. Number six. In order to be ready. Ready means to be prompt. Ooh, that's going to drop a lot of people out. Let you know you're not ready. To be prompt. In other words, a person who is ready will respond immediately. Immediately. Immediately to the work. That's one of the reasons why I knew that we weren't ready to restore generation and, and God began to minister to me how we needed to be prepared because it took a long time between teachings for our response. God said, preparation. See, we're able to sit in here for many weeks teachings and teachings and teachings especially when since the transition I've had to teaching and you still get up and do nothing not ready to restore another generation to be ready is an automatic response immediately number seven my favorite ready means to be available Mm, to be available to work. You know, Paul told Timothy that no man entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that it may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Don't get yourself tangled up. If I'm going to be ready to be used by God, I have to keep myself unencumbered with things that makes me unavailable. See, we are too easy to let things come in our lives and make us unavailable. So you can get so bogged down with the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and, and the lust of things that you're not available, disencumbered with them. So I can have skills. I may be a diligent person. I may be an attentive person. I may even be a willing person. And I may even desire to do it quickly when I hear it. Like, let me immediately. But then, when you look at the affairs that have tied you down to a point that even though you're willing, you're not able just because of the affairs in your life. You got all of that going on, but just the affairs in your life just makes it where I'm just not, I, I'm not able to do it. Why? Because I'm so burdened. I'm burdened down. I'm bound. That's what you are. You're bound. And you know what? That's one of the most damnable things about debt. Hmm. Write this down. Debt Anchors you. Debt 
anchors you, won't let you, you know, you can float around, but it keeps you where you are. Debt anchors you. Mm-mm-mm. God, you're so good. And God wants to speak to your heart to do something. But you can't because you're bound down. You know why you can't tithe? You can't assess? You can't do power? You can't do one or the other? Bound. Debt. And this is what people don't understand about debt. Because when we see debt, we think money. But I'm going to tell you this now. Debt, the consequences, just the consequences of uh, debt, it goes so much further than just financial consequences in your life. It goes further than that. When you are bound down, bound down by debt, listen to me, that also means that you are bound to trying to do something to pay the debt. See, so now you're just doubly bound. Because now I'm trying to find a way to get this debt off of me because I'm in debt and I'm bound. And I need to find a way to pay the debt. So God can't move you, speak to you, or position you. Why? Because I'm anchored down by this debt. I'm anchored down by this debt and it won't let me do what I need to do. What God is telling me to do. That's why you can't tithe. That's why you can't give. That's why you can't do pastors. Let me tell you, that's why you can't do pastors' compensation. That's why you can't give. That's why you can't participate in things that we have that just go on around church. Just the dinners we have and I can't make it because they, those are things that have you bound. And you can't do any of them. Because it has you anchored. Somebody have to pay for you. Anchored. Bound. But God, I'm ready to be used. God said, this thing goes further than your financial problem. Because... When I'm bound down by this debt, I'm also carrying stress of that debt. In other words, listen, the Bible says that I become a servant to who I owe. See, you're bound. And when you owe somebody, you ought to feel, first of all, I don't care whether it's debtor, I don't care if it's a carpet, I don't care what it is, I don't care if it's someone personal. You don't owe a debt and not say anything. You don't run from the mailbox. You address it. If you owe somebody, you talk to them about it. If you can or cannot pay it. If you can or when you can or whatever. You don't, you don't just do that. You're bound. You can't do that. It lets you know and you're stressed about it. You become a servant to who you owe instead of a servant to the Lord. I am servant to those that I'm indebted to. So now I can't, I can't go to church because I got to work overtime because I got to pay the debt. So I can't learn nothing because I can't come hear the word because I got to pay the debt. I'm bound. 
I gotta get the, I gotta get the money. Church, I'm gonna give you three things, and I'm gonna close out with this, and we're gonna pick it up next week, though. We're gonna pick it up because we still gonna we're gonna we're gonna still do it this because I have still a lot of notes go, but I I just want to tell you what we're gonna talk about next week, and we're going that three things that I want to talk about, and I want to deal with them next week. Number one, my heart has to be prepared, and we're gonna deal with that. Write it down so you'll already be prepared. I'm going to be, if I'm going to be used by God, my heart has to be prepared. See, oftentimes we think that our heart is right, and our heart is not right. And if your heart is not right, you are not ready. Let me tell you this. The rich young young ruler thought his heart was right. (laughs) He thought his heart was ready. Until the Lord said, go, sell. Give to the poor. You know what? You need to go and study that parable of the rich young ruler. Actually, what this rich young ruler wanted to do, they, he, he had been watching the disciples in Jesus. He had been watching them. And what he wanted was, he wanted to be a disciple like the disciples. Because he was watching them. He wanted to be a disciple like the disciples. Why? Because he, in watching them, he realized that the disciples have a relationship with the with him, have a relationship with the master, and I want that. But if you look at that real carefully, look at the scriptures real carefully. I was looking over that last night. And I was just looking over. Jesus didn't ask that rich young ruler nothing that he didn't ask the disciples for. Didn't he ask the disciples to lay down their lives and follow me? He said, come here. He, the tax collector, leave it alone. Come follow me. He didn't ask the rich young ruler nothing that he didn't ask them to do. And he told the, the rich young ruler, sell what you have. Give to the poor. Come on and follow me. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not ready for that. See, everybody's ready until you ask them. All of a sudden, I'm not ready for that. But not only does my heart have to be prepared, but my life has to be prepared. Listen, every young person in particular who is serious about God, doing something in their life, you need to get your life right now. And we're going to deal with next week on, if God is going to use me, I have to be prepared. And then with our mind. My life has to be prepared and my mind has to be prepared. My life has to be prepared. And my mind has to be prepared. You have to get your thoughts in place. Need to be there. Because of the assignment of God will test whether or not you think correctly. So your mind has to be right. Let me tell you, the assignment will test it. If your mind is right. If your mind is right, not right, you're not ready to be used by an almighty God. You're not ready to be used by an almighty God. Your mind has to be right. And we're going to get into that next week. You know, I, I purpose to sit on this a while. How to be ready to be used. Because why? Remember, there's a next coming. And only those that are prepared. Those that are getting into this, those that are saying, yes, I got it. Those that are saying, I have to move, I got to be here. In this, what's being taught, 
are the ones God's going to use. And sure as I'm standing here, the next is coming. And it's coming big. And it's coming strong. And God said, I'm preparing those that will be used. Lift your hands toward heaven. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.